Tennessee. This is The Drop Set with your host, Darren Starr. Whoa, what was that? Holy cow. Um, some new intro music just for one week, just because uh, I'm excited about some stuff. That was uh, the the newest, uh, well, uh, uh, unreleased <laughs> demo track from whatever the hell the name of our band is that we don't have a name yet, uh, Fees of Our Dreams. So that was uh, my lovely wife, Dina, singing on that, and uh, me doing everything else, most of it poorly. And, you know, it's a demo track, so that's okay. Uh, been hard at work on some stuff, so that's a uh, <laughs> literally a basement recording uh, and if you strip away the individual parts and like isolate on the drum track, it's like, whoo, man, somebody really don't know how to play the drums and doesn't really know how to record them either. It kind of sounds like crap. But when you put enough stuff around it and kind of fills out the mix, everything has a tendency to sound a little bit more acceptable. So anyway, um, we're doing these demo tracks just to have a reference recording to send off to the other people that we're having play on this so they can listen to it, learn the tune, and then we'll get into the studio and record it all for reals. Um, and we are up to, I think right now, um, nine completed tracks. Um, um, and so we've got two more in the works, one more cover, and that should pretty much flesh out the whole album. Um, and so we're hoping to record this in January. So it is exciting times, and it has been occupying much of my spare time as well. So my priorities right now, um, number one, um, work slash clients. Number two, that. Number three, my own lifting. <laughs> so I just got back from the gym today, actually. I just knew that um, I always know that it, on days when I have to lift, I have to go and knock it out. Um, early before I get wrapped up in other stuff. Uh, otherwise, it's it's not likely to happen. And this is one thing that I always talk about with clients is, you know, find the time when you know it's going to work for you. Another option there is, well, you know, if you've got, like, I'm, I'm picturing a weekend here because the weekend's more wide open. There isn't a whole lot of work stuff going on. It's mostly just me time. So, do I want to go in and if I'm lifting on the weekends, do I go in and lift first and then come back and have the rest of the day? Or do I do some some studio stuff and some recording and kind of like ugh, make it so, man, my ears need a break. Let me go to the gym and work out, come back and take a break. Uh, for me, it's always the former. I always go in, get it out of the way first. Um and, and not feel rushed, not feel like, oh, man, I got to get back um, on a day like that when I haven't started yet. Because um, otherwise, for me, and there's no right or wrong answer to this. Everybody's different. Um, and so this is just my personal example. Uh, I start working on something, and then my brain has a tough time shutting off from it. And so, like, this morning what I did, it was a little bit slow of morning. I got up early, so I went and listened to a few tracks as well. The thing that I've learned about when you're trying to create some music is you have to really like live in the songs for a while and really like bury yourself into them to the point where you get sick of them. Um, because that's on the verge of that is where, <laughs> is where creativity really starts to, uh, starts to grow. And so you listen to it enough and you're like, Hey, you know, it would sound good here. Blah. And you do it too much and you get some, you know, overproduced piece of shit. But you know, there's a, there's a fine line, um, between, you know, like, a singer-songwriter, like, I'm just a voice and a guitar, this is all I am, versus, like, the Trans-Siberian Orchestra or something like that, which is ridiculously overproduced. There's a lot of gray area in between there, and we're going for something maybe more towards one side of that than the other, but uh, nonetheless, it's a, it's a really wide variety of songs here. Like, that's probably one of the songs that we have that has the most bite to it, uh, which is, it's cool, it's a lot of fun, and actually, that's a song that I've had sitting around for a few months, and uh, my wife came to me and she's like, I have a, uh, a lyric 
and I need you to find a song to put with it. And so I read it, and I'm like, I know what this goes with. And I've been kind of holding that one in my back pocket for a while. I'm like, here, this is it. And we sat down with it. This was two nights ago. We sat down with it and recorded it. And I just like ran through it for the first time. And as she started singing it, I'm like, this is a good choice. <laughs> this was a really good fit. It's really exciting when that happens and it comes together. Last night, we tried it with another song. It was not a good fit. Um, we, we tried, um, you know, she had a lyric and I, I had a new song that I'd written based on that and we mashed it together and it was like square peg round hole. It's like, Ugh. so we're going to make another stab at that over the weekend, but that'll be another one that probably makes the cut. Um, cause I, I think I know how to make it work now, but not everything's an instant success. And so there's a lot of lessons from this process that I'm learning, uh, that you can apply elsewhere as well, because this is something that I've, I've been really desperately wanting to do for a long time. And so it's going to succeed. It's just a question of when and and how you get there. And that is the mindset that you can adopt and apply to anything. And so to turn this around into your motivational speech for the week, um, apply it to you as well. If you want something bad enough, it doesn't matter what challenges you have and what bumps in the road you come across. You want it bad enough, you're going to make it happen. So with us, you know, th this album is going to happen. So the, the episode that we had last night where – you know, we're, she's got this idea. I've got this idea. We're kind of button heads a little bit like, well, I like this. Well, I like this. Your idea sucks. Well, we didn't get to that, but you know, it's like we, we weren't on the same page for sure. Um, there have been a lot of other episodes like that as well. Like there was one song that we did where I kind of took it like all the way, like, this is how I hear it. And you know, I spent a lot of time on it and she finally speaks up. She's like, that's not how I hear it at all. And I've never heard it like that. And I kind of told you that and you didn't listen to me. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, Oops, guilty as charged. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I had it just programmed in my head a certain way. So there have been a lot of episodes like that where it has not always been easy. There have been a couple like two nights ago where it just clicked and it was awesome. But the point is, you've got this goal. You're serious about it. This is going to happen. And it's just a question of what kind of challenges you face and how much difficulty you are going to put up with because uh, there will be difficulty. And so on a contest prep journey, on a weight loss journey, on just a general transformation journey, whatever it is, you're going to have good days. You're going to have bad days. But if you're serious about it and you want it, none of that shit matters. And, and just like it, here, I'm really looking forward to having this thing out so people can hear it. That's really secondary. The primary thing is the process of doing it and just how rewarding that process is. Same thing for the transformation, for doing a show. Yeah, I mean, there, there's the end point, And the thing is, you know, I don't want people focusing on that end point so much, but trying to appreciate and uh, to some extent enjoy the process and the journey to get there. Um, because if you're not doing that, if you're not doing that, why are you really doing it? Um, because that is the thing that will last. The moment on stage um, or, you know, at your photo shoot or whatever is relatively fleeting. Um, but more than just taking the, like, really enjoying the process all the way through, which, let's be clear, it's really hard. It's a difficult process. It's challenging. I see a squirrel eating seeds out in the backyard, and I want to go chase him away. Bastard. Those are for the birds, asshole. Stop it. Uh, <laughs> I literally just got distracted by a squirrel. <laughs> I'm like a dog. Squirrel. Um, that was that was pathetic. Wow. Um, he's a big fat one too. He's finding some seeds. He's probably the little jackass that's really been like 
anyway, um, where was I? <laughs> uh, the, the process is difficult. It's challenging. Uh, so it, it's a hard thing to kind of enjoy in the moment. But if you can take some things from it, if you can learn about yourself throughout the process as well, that that is a huge victory. That is big. That is really, really big. Um, and so I'm doing that as well. I'm learning a lot about, you know, things like, you know, music things, um, working with other people, communicating better with my wife, <laughs> all that. I'm learning a lot from this, which is going to help. And you can learn a lot about yourself through your prep journey, whatever the end goal is, um, if you only let yourself learn about yourself. So um, it's good times. It's good times. So, uh, hey, everybody, how you doing? It is Friday, December 20th, the final Friday before Christmas, the next to last Friday of 2019. This may be the final podcast of 2019. I think it probably will be. Um, next week, I've got a couple of crazy, crazy days lined up, Monday and Tuesday, jam-packed with client check-ins, and then uh, on Wednesday is Christmas, taking the day off, and then after that, uh, we are getting away to sunny Mexico for a few nights. Uh, I, I did this once few years back um, between Christmas and New Year's and uh, vowed that I would do that as frequently as I could because it's a great time to get out of Knoxville in the winter. Um, you know, our, our family obligations are pretty minimal. We're going to go down to Georgia for uh, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, uh, come back here on Christmas Day, do a little Boxing Day thing with friends on the 26th, and then head out on Friday and, and stick there through New Year's. So we'll, we'll actually come back on New Year's Eve. So relatively short trip, just four nights, but that's, that's plenty for me. That's good. It's nice to get out and recharge. Um, we will be staying at a resort that has a gym. I My goal is to come back not having ever known where that gym was. Um, like I am in maintenance mode right now, and uh, part of my maintenance mode is recharging on this break. And then uh, the goal will be to, well, actually we have a few goals here. Not to bring it all back to music, but that is kind of the, the thing that's kind of dominating most of my free time now. Uh, our goal is to have all of these songs kind of buttoned up in demo form and ready to rock before we leave on that trip. That's my goal. I haven't talked to the wife about that, but that's that's my goal. And we're close. If we if we make a little progress on these last two songs um, this weekend and kind of settle in with uh, some consensus with Trey, our other singer, um, uh, to determine what uh, other cover song we want to put on here, um, then we'll be uh, we'll be in good shape. Uh, we we had kind of settled on one, but now we're all having second thoughts on it. So we have so many that we can choose from. It's just it, for me, it's gonna my vote is gonna come down to well, let's look at all the other songs in totality. Let's get a sense for you know the tempos and the moods of all those songs, and let's see what is what we're missing the most of, and pick a song more like that and uh, and bring that one in. So. Um, it's probably going to be something a little bit more upbeat, a little bit more aggressive because we have a lot more stuff that's kind of down key and, and jazzy. So, um, that's where I'm thinking anyway. So, uh, the goal is to have all that stuff done by the time we leave so we can, uh, leave, recharge the batteries, get that off of our minds for a little bit, come back, do some practice and, uh, get in the studio and record this damn thing. Uh, and then let the, uh, let the engineer do his work. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of the goal, and hopefully my goal is to have that wrapped up in January, and then I will be able to resume more of a normal thing going forward. So the other, uh, other take-home point from this is 
Um, you've got other stuff going on. For me, this is totally a self-inflicted wound. This is something that I wanted to do, and I've been wanting to do this for, uh, it is not an exaggeration to say, decades. Uh, and now it's happening. And so, yeah, I'm going to take a little time from other things and uh, focus on this for a bit. So, you know, I'm going to bring my lifting down to three or four days a week. Um, you know, I've been pushing hard for a while. My body kind of needs to recover a little bit. Um, and also it's just, you know, shifting priorities and that's fine. You can shift your priorities a little bit. What you can't do, uh, if you want to be productive is just completely neglect them. So like my diet is largely on point. I'd say about 85% on point, uh, right now. Uh, and really I blame the holidays more for that than anything else. I've, the, the, the pitfall of having a, a wife for a teacher is that, uh, Man, she brings home some stuff around the holidays. Uh, like, you know, especially, she's not a classroom teacher. She's a special area teacher. So she teaches art, which means she sees the whole school. So there's 280 kids, which means potentially 280 cents of parents that feel the need to give some chocolate to their art teacher. And, of course, what does she do? She brings it home. I do a good job of saying no to it. But every now and then, if something like, ooh, oh, that looks good. Oh, that's from Buttermilk Sky, the pie shop here in town. You're not going to say no to that stuff is golden so you know i try and fit that into the macros as best as i can but like i said i've been about 85 percent ish or so on macros but not totally off the rails um and then lifting has resumed again with the help of my coach laney putting together a plan that de-emphasizes gym time for a little bit focusing down into maintenance but not just giving up on the thing completely um and i see that from a lot of clients especially around this time of year a lot of people are like you know what i'm just gonna you know take this month off and, you know, I'll, I'll hit you back up in January. And I, I've been doing this long enough. I can, I can say statistically, more often than not, that doesn't happen. Like somebody takes a month off and then they just have a really hard time getting back into it. Um, partially just because they, they feel, you know, they feel bad. They feel guilty about having, you know, gone off the rails for a month. Um, and shifting priorities doesn't mean that you have to completely lose it. Like stop uh, going to the extremes on everything. It's not all or nothing. You can't go from, I'm lifting six days a week all the time to, oh, shit got busy, so now I'm just I'm going to cancel my gym membership, and you know I'm going to stop meal prepping. Like, explore some gray areas, buddy. Come on now. <laughs> we, we can do that. So I am, I am exploring the middle of that gray area right now, lifting three to four days a week, making them as effective as possible, and uh, staying on point with the meal plan for the most part, or my macro plan as it is. Um, and it's good. It's good. It's it's working fairly well, and then uh, by the end of January, I think I'll be done and ready to push probably into a little bit of a cut at that point because I'm feeling a little, little soft, a little thick, uh, and not necessarily in the good way. So, yeah, there we go. Uh, so, what is that? Monday and Tuesday of next week in, and then Cancun coming back on Tuesday later in the day. Normal work resumes on Wednesday, so we might be back in for podcast land on like the. Third, I think, is that the following Friday? Might be ready for that. So we'll 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 miss a week. Uh, I'll miss you guys. I know you'll be okay. You'll be okay without me. I have, thankfully, and I'm appreciative of this. Gotten some comments that people have missed it. So um, it's good to be missed. Thanks. I appreciate that. And thank you all for everybody who has listened throughout 2019 and for the years before that. This goes all the way back to 2016. I think. Good lord, has it been that long? 
Yeah. Um, it's kind of wild to think that we've been at it this long here. So, uh, But no signs of stopping. No, I mean, you know, the, the frequency is taking a little bit of a hit here, um, but we'll pick it back up. No worries. So uh, I got a couple of voicemails that I want to play here, and so we'll get to those, and then uh, we'll see what else comes across my brain as we take it from there. So uh, let's go to the first one. This is going all the way back uh, to December 14th. Not that far back, I guess, but let's take a listen. Hey, Coach, it's Connor from Houston. I have two questions for you. The first one is, do you believe in the post-workout protein intake window? And the second question is, what is your opinion on the most optimal meals to consume each day? Is it four meals, five meals, six meals, one meal? Thank you, Coach. Thank you, Connor. And it's timely because, Connor, I just got your email um, with all your check-in stuff. So. <laughs> uh, front of mind, for sure. So good questions here. Protein intake window, also known as the anabolic window. I have talked about that a little bit, but let's get into it a little bit deeper. And then number of meals also. Good questions. So um, the the anabolic window, like if you go back, to th- think about and go back to your your journey in bodybuilding and like your, your knowledge base and, you know, reading articles and stuff like that. I know everybody's journey has been a little bit different. When I, mine always started from like, Talking with people in the gym, bros, and reading bodybuilding.com back when it was like, you know, the new big thing. Um, oh, I'm so old. God. Back when I had to, you know, use a dial-up modem to connect to the internet. Uh, actually, my bodybuilding days do go back to dial-up modem days and Usenet groups. Uh, if anybody remembers Usenet groups um, and participating in bodybuilding chats on those discussion forums um, back before there was a graphical interface for them. Yeah, I, I know that some people are like, what? And other people are like, oh, yeah, dude, I remember that. Good times, good times. So uh, one of the the concepts that a lot of people hear in their early days of bodybuilding and reading about things is the anabolic window, the idea that, you know, post-workout, your body is primed to grow, so you've got to feed it, you know, right away and, you know, capitalize on that. And if you wait until your pump is faded, you waited too long. And that is a, I would say two things on that. First of all, that is a really good rule of thumb, actually. I'm not going to diss on that. Um, It is not scientifically accurate at all, but it's a good rule of thumb to live by. And if that kind of helps make it easier to remember and remind yourself, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, cool. I should probably eat right now. Great. Then cool. Now, like I said, it's not scientifically accurate. Um, And I've I've quoted this before, and I, I never know who to attribute the quote to. I think it's Matt Jansen. I'm not positive on that. But he said the anabolic window is more like an anabolic barn door. It's a lot bigger than you think it is. Um, which is correct. So what I usually tell people and the guidance that I often give people um, for uh, post-workout nutrition, and this wouldn't be just protein, this would be protein and carbs, uh, I typically will keep fats lower um, only because uh, typically your post-workout meal is going to be a little bit larger. It's certainly going to be more carb-heavy than other points throughout the day. So it's not like it's bad to mix fats in with it. I just save the fats for other times um, because I feel like I will get more out of them there. Like after my post-workout meal, I'm always stuffed. Um, right now, I'm taking in about 80 grams of carbs, 50 grams of protein post-workout. There's about 5 grams of fat in that meal. Not much to it. So, uh, And a- after eating all those carbs, I'm like, whew, okay. The thought of throwing more fats in there as well? Ugh, no, save that for some other time during the day. That's just my theory. There- there's no... No significant reason to reduce your fat intake post-workout unless you're doing crazy stuff with supplementation, um, specifically something like insulin, uh, which I've talked about that just a little bit. I haven't gotten too deep into that. That might be a subject for another day. Um, If you're using that, then certainly keeping your uh, fat intake lower post-workout, which because you're going to be dosing insulin post-workout, probably a a good idea to keep it low there. Um, So we're talking protein and carbs. Um, Fats are optional. Uh, 
the, the guidance that I give on that is you can take it anywhere from immediately after your workout to like an hour and a half post-workout. Uh, and your body will absorb and process it all the same. There's diminishing returns after that, but you're still it's still going to use it. It's just not quite as efficiently, maybe not quite as optimally. And since it's really easy to do, you know, you're, you're eating. It's not like it's a challenging activity. So get it done during the window. Um, and it's, it's a pretty big window. Um, it's like one of those windows that you see in those fancy modern homes that overlook the beach where the entire wall is a window. It's kind of like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's your glass wall. So you got you got a lot of time. You've got a lot of time. But the other consideration here is what phase of your diet are you in? And this kind of dovetails in with Connor's next question regarding number of meals. How many times do you have to eat through the day? If you're on a growth phase, for example, uh, and your calories are high, maybe you have more meals, then uh, it makes sense to cram that post-workout meal in as quick as you can because guess what? There's going to be another one that follows that and probably another one after that and maybe even another one after that. And if you wait too long, you're going to set it up to where you can't necessarily fit everything in over the course of a day. So it's more of a logistical concern than a scientific, physiological, biological concern. You just got to make sure you give yourself enough time to, to, to get everything in. Conversely, if you are on a cut, your calories are low. Um, one thing that I will do sometimes is take advantage of the fact that that anabolic window is bigger than we expect. And I might wait 45 minutes or so after my workout. You know, I'm, I finished the workout. I'm like, Whew, man, I'm kind of hungry. But you know what? The rest of the day is kind of skim. So I'm going to push this off a little bit just so that I can compact the rest of my meals into a slightly smaller chunk of time. So it's just a strategy thing to help with hunger and overall level of satisfaction. So you got some wiggle room to play with, though. I'd say 90 minutes is probably pushing it post-workout. Um, one other consideration is, do you have cardio post-workout? If so, you lift, you do your cardio, and then you do your post-workout meal. The last thing you want is to take in a whole bunch of calories and then immediately do cardio. First of all, you've got all that on your stomach. Now what? You're going to go do high-intensity cardio? Give me a break. That, that sounds like a recipe for the, bringing out the mop bucket in the gym. No thanks. But also, don't feed yourself and then perform an activity designed to burn off calories and burn the calories first and then feed yourself. Um, and as far as number of meals, Connor, good question there. There's a lot of variability and flexibility, um, allowed on that as well. And the main thing comes down to protein intake and protein bioavailability. Uh, bio so, um, what I typically would recommend is you want your protein intake to be fairly evenly distributed throughout the day. Um, for women, I would say if you've got, uh, an upper threshold on your protein intake of about 35 grams and for guys, it's probably around like, I don't know, maybe 35 to 40 and for guys, maybe more like 55 to 60, something like that. Depends on the size of the gal and the size of the guy as well. If you've got a guy who's five foot three and 127 pounds and a woman who's six one and 195, you know, we might want to shift those numbers a little bit. So I'm speaking on average here. Um, but so you've got this maximum amount of protein, and this, this has been endlessly debated, and you can find a research study that supports it either way. I'm thinking just more logically here. Um, th there is an upper limit. I don't think you're going to find too much dissonance on the, the idea or the claim that there's an upper limit on how much protein is useful for your body at one time. You'll find some... Uh, 
some argument as to what that number is. So that's why I'm providing a range, and I'm just going with something that's a little bit more middle of the road. Some people will say, your body can't assimilate more than 18 grams of protein at a time. I'm sorry, I, I don't buy that. I don't buy that. Um, and then some people will say, your body can use as much as you want to give it, 80, 100 grams? Like, stop it. No. I mean, diminishing returns. Yeah, maybe it can use it, but it's not going to use it very effectively or efficiently. So, um, Again, like let let's just ballpark it and say forty grams max for for um, women, sixty grams max for guys. And I would say you're probably better off coming south of the lot a little bit. Maybe women thirty grams, guys forty five to fifty ish, something like that. So, uh, what what is then going to determine the optimal number of meals would be how many meals do you need for your protein target to be able to work it in around that range on average per meal. So if your protein target, let's say for guys, is 250, um, you're going to be looking at about five meals, five or six, five meals minimum, let's say, uh, in order to uh, make the the most efficient use of your protein intake. Uh, 250 divided by five, 50 grams per, great, we're within range. If you take 250 divided by six, now you're like, what, 42-ish, something like that? Maybe even a little bit more optimal. So it has nothing to do with necessarily how frequently you're feeding throughout the day, how steadily your your um, calories are coming in throughout the day. But I am more concerned with protein distribution and just making sure that those portions are of an optimal size for uh, efficiency of assimilation, if that makes sense. Uh, so whether that's four meals, whether it's six, whether it's eight, uh, I would say typically if you can be in an optimal range with fewer meals, great. Um, but usually that's going to be like five at the lower end. Uh, if I'm writing meal plans, it is very, very rare that I go less than five meals. It's also very rare that I go more than six. <laughs> so I would say 90% of the meal plans that I write, maybe even 95, probably are five or six meals. Um, I've done four on a few occasions. Usually if we're playing around with intermittent fasting, um, which I rarely do, but sometimes, usually on request, um, I will do that for a client. And then sometimes, you know, if, if I'm working with, this is usually for guys who um, can just process an immense amount of calories and it's just hard to get them in in six meals. We've got to add a seventh and in some cases an eighth um, when we're really trying to grow aggressively. Uh, then you know, that, that's another option too. Uh, but that's also pretty rare. Those are, those are all uh, exceptional cases. So as a standard rule of, uh, rule of thumb, I will usually go, I'd say probably, you know, if I'm going to break it down here, let's do it, 95% or five or six meals. Probably 75% of those are six meals, and probably 20% of those are five. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's a fairly good guideline. So we got one other here. This is from just a couple days ago. So now I'm officially caught up, which means if you want to hear your voice and your question featured in the first episode of The Drop Set for 2020, now's your chance. Call in now, leave a message, and uh, sooner or later, I'll get to it. <laughs> so the, the call-in number, uh, once again, whenever I, whenever I rattle this off, I always think of Paula, who called me out and said, uh, you'd rattle that number off too damn fast. I can't write it down. But again, if you go to thedropset.com, it's posted right there. If you go there on your uh, phone, it will probably even be clickable. You can just click it. You don't have to write anything down, and your phone will plug it in and say, hey, you want to call this number? And say, yes, I want to call that number. Duh. Come on, and uh, what you'll you'll hear a voicemail greeting, and then beep, leave your message. So, um, the number eight six five five one eight two nine seven four. Let's hear what we got. Hi, Darren. My name is Martina. I'm calling from Overland Park, Kansas. Uh, my question, and I hope you do a podcast on it, is about cardio. Uh, my cardio 
I can do 30 to 45 minutes of cardio and not break a sweat. So I get on the elliptical or the treadmill or even the Stairmaster, and I don't know if I'm doing it right. Um, my boyfriend says that unless I'm sweating, I'm not doing it right. So how can we incorporate cardio for how long and to what extent or what types of cardio are good for actually making an impact on losing weight? Uh, thanks, and hope to hear from you soon. Very cool. Thanks, Martina. I appreciate that. How is Kansas this time of year, by the way? I bet it's cold as hell. Um, so you said you're doing 30 to 45 minutes and not breaking a sweat. Your boyfriend says, unless you're sweating, you're not doing it right. I tend to agree with him. Yes. So here is another question. Do you sweat doing anything? Um, some people are just naturally like they just don't really sweat a whole lot. And then some people, like my brother, sweats in conversation. <laughs> just do, doing nothing. Just who he is. I love you, Colin. It's all good. Uh, so, I mean, there, there are, you know, all, all all ends of the spectrum are represented here with with, with our, our species. So, you know, some people, they just, they just have to work a little bit harder to do it. And some people, they just do it at the drop of a hat. Or even if you're wearing your hat, they're still going to do it. Um, so, where, where do you fit generally on that end of the spectrum? Uh, but unless you've got some kind of weird condition, you certainly sweat. Uh, if you're working hard enough. So what we need to do is just, you know, we need to work harder. That's all there is to it. It is a very simple answer. If you're doing cardio and you're not sweating, you ain't going hard enough. So go harder. So crank up the resistance, go faster. And here's the other thing. And so this is a good litmus test. Um, you're not sweating. What's your heart rate? Um, whatever it is, it's probably not high enough. I, I can envision a scenario where you'd be like, I'm not sweating. My heart rate's 190. Okay, well, if that's the case, I'm going to suspect that whatever is reading your heart rate is probably incorrect. Um, I have never known a human being who gets their heart rate up in that kind of range and doesn't sweat, probably profusely. Uh, so, yeah, uh, crank it up. Crank it up. Whatever it is. If it's a treadmill, go faster. If it's an elliptical, crank up the resistance and go faster. If it's stairs, go faster. If it's a bike, crank up the resistance and go faster. If it's a rower, pull harder. Uh, you know, all of those things apply. Um, and I guess a, a couple other things to consider here. You can kind of cheat the system a little bit. Uh, put on some layers. Uh, you know, if you, if you heat yourself up a little bit, you're going to have an easier time breaking a sweat for sure. A lot of people um, view how much they sweat as the sign that they are doing things correctly. And I think that's a... a uh, it's kind of a confirmation bias. I don't necessarily agree with that, but it does work the other way. If you aren't sweating, you aren't doing it right. Um, but if you are sweating, there are ways to cheat that system, so that doesn't mean you're doing it correctly. Um, like when when I'm doing cardio during the summer in my garage in my elliptical, 60 seconds in, I'm sweating. Why? Well, because it's the summer in Knoxville, and even at 6 in the morning, it's still 80 degrees outside. That's why, and it's humid as hell. You know, I, I've made the illusion before about the uh, the guy on his riding lawnmower who's out mowing his lawn with a beer in the cup holder sweating. He ain't doing cardio. He's just outside in the sun sweating because it's hot. So 
<laughs> conversely, you might not have to work terribly hard. I'm not talking about you, Martina, but you generally a human being, um, because I think we've established that you're, you might be a little bit of an exception here and it might take a little bit more to get you really, really cranking away. Um, but a typical human being, um, you can, if you, if you really bundle up and put some layers on and then get on the stair climber, you probably aren't going to have to go terribly hard before you're sweating. So that is not in and of itself a, a sign that you're doing it correctly. But if you're not sweating, that's a sign that you probably aren't going hard enough. Yeah. But, um, I also might recommend just throwing on some layers to help kind of, you know, because if you're, if you're just not breaking a sweat at all, first of all, okay, that's, that is kind of weird. Uh, but also if you can just get something going, even if you got to cheat the system a little bit, it's a sign that you're on the right track. You're like, oh, okay, cool. Uh, and then we can we can work to take it from there. But I would definitely say, yeah, we got to step up the game a little bit for sure. So increase speed, increase resistance. As far as what method to use, um, here is the honest answer. Are you ready for it? Doesn't matter at all. Do not care. Pick something you like. Pick something you enjoy. If none of those machines work, you know what? Go find some battle ropes and just slam those suckers down to the ground as fast and hard as you can. Uh, you're going to be out of breath quick, and if you keep that up and keep your rest periods minimal, you're going to be sweating. Um, do some burpees. You know, do some box jumps, whatever. Box jumps are a bad idea, actually. Scratch that. Um, if you do those for cardio, you're going to end up with more busted shins than you are dropped pounds in fat. Uh, especially if you keep it up when you're fatigued, unless you're going with a really little step, in which case, once again, probably not hard enough. So I uh, hope that helps, though. It's a, it's a good question. I think you're also good to recognize that, like, hey, something, something ain't right here, and, and that, that's good. So those are the kind of things that you need to pay attention to, you know, details like that, like just checking the boxes and doing the stuff. Like, yeah, I'm going to lift. I did all the exercises. Great. Check. Okay, cardio, 30 minutes. Check. Diet. I followed it. Check. Okay, well, the diet is kind of a binary thing. We're either following it or not, or we're not. but we can pay extra close attention and say, like, you know, are we doing, are we measuring everything correctly? Is it all accurate? What's our level of precision? So it's not just a check necessarily. Like, yes, I had all my meals. Okay, but were they all precise as well? So we can dig a little bit deeper on that. Um, for cardio, like we're talking about here, okay, we did it, but how effective was it? This is not a binary thing. It's not just a, yes, I did it, no, I didn't. Um, although that, that's probably the first place to start because if you're not doing it, Okay, we can get a lot just by doing it, even if it's not particularly effective. Um, but then try and make it more effective. How can we squeeze a little bit more out of this? How can we increase our caloric burn? So, Martina, another thing you can do is kind of play a game with yourself on that, which is use the machine if you use a, a, the same machine consistently because they do vary from one to the next. But if you're like, okay, this elliptical right here, this is one, this is my favorite one. I go to this and, you know, it's got like my own footprints in there. <laughs> like I recognize the marks from the tread on my shoes in the footholes for the elliptical because I'm in here so much. My hands have kind of worn little handprints on the handles. So yes, this is my elliptical. I like it. Okay, great. So remember your settings on that and track what your caloric burn is for a session and make sure your sessions are always the same length 30 minutes whatever something like that and so let's say you then um in 30 minutes now these numbers on an on an elliptical or on a treadmill or anything probably are not accurate so don't trust that they are accurate but they can be a good reference point to work from so let's say after a 30 minute session the elliptical says that you burn 370 calories okay fair so go to a calculator and type in 370 divided by 30, and you will come out that you have burned 12.3 calories per minute. Okay, cool. So now you've got a, a, 
and, and I would say that that number is probably not accurate. But if you come back to that same machine and use the same settings the next time and you deliver the exact same performance, you will get the same number. So the machine is consistent with itself. So you can use it as a good yardstick as long as you're not then going to, oh, here's the treadmill next to it. Well, guess what? The algorithms that are plugged into that treadmill's computer might be way different than the elliptical. Um, your, your rating of perceived exertion might not directly apply between one to the next. You might actually end up going harder on the treadmill while thinking it that you're going as hard and therefore your calorie burn comes out a lot higher. And you're like, well, I was working just as hard, but my calorie burn on this was higher. Well, it feels different. So it, it, you're, you know, that, that, um, self rating of how hard you're working might not be totally accurate. So anyway, 370 calories, 30 minutes, you burn 12.3 calories per minute. So now what you can do is multiply that by, let's say five. Okay, so in five minutes, you should be burning about 62 calories. So watch, watch the display on that thing. And just remember, five minutes, 62 calories. So keep it on the, uh, on the uh, calorie display. Like if it wants to cycle through a whole bunch of different variables, just stick it on calories and see where you are after five minutes. And, and this is especially useful on you know a, a bike or an elliptical, things that are uh, manually controlled as far as speed versus the stairs, the treadmill, et cetera. You plug in the variables on those. You just got to keep up and go. And if you do a 30-minute treadmill session at 4.8 miles per hour um, one day and come back and do the exact same things the next day, it will report the exact same calorie burn. So, um, But elliptical, bike, you can slow down. You can speed up. So you've got more control over it there. Uh, and I kind of like it for that, actually. A lot of people don't, but I'm, I'm a fan of that. So what you can know then, so 62 calories is your target. Uh, you get to that five-minute mark, and you're at 57 calories burned according to the machine. You're like, oh, okay, I'm five calories below my pace. i got to step it up a little bit. Um, or if you're at like 75, you're like, whoa, man, I'm killing it compared to what I did before. So play that little game with yourself. And if you hit you know, 370 calories in a 30-minute session, aim for 380, 390 next time out. So you're going to make yourself go a little faster, go a little bit harder. Um, and I think it's easier to do it on those machines versus like treadmill, step mill, where you can kind of max out on speed just because your coordination is going to give out a little bit. Um, and also it's, it's more difficult to sustain a high speed on that. With an elliptical, you can give it a little give and take. Um, and also, I would suggest trying some intervals, some some short phases, like 20, 30 seconds long, where you go as hard as you can, and then you back off for like 60 seconds and go a little bit slower. Um, so those spikes, if we're looking to generate a little bit of a sweat, that's going to get your heart rate up, and then it, it should start pouring pretty well after that. So food for thought, things to consider at the very least. So um, those are good questions. And now with that, my, my voicemail box is empty. Sad face. So... Whew, that's all I got. That's all I got. The last podcast of 2020. Kind of sad. Kind of sad. But I'm okay with it. I'm, I'm, I've come to grips with it, and I can handle it. Can you handle it? That's the big question here. I think you can. You're tough cookies. So, uh, once again, thank you, everybody, for listening all throughout 2019. I just said it was the last podcast of 2020, didn't I? I'm already ahead of myself. I'm not going to have that problem writing the new date on, uh, on checks, I don't think. Last podcast of 2019. Next one will be in 2020. Thank you once again, everybody, for listening. I appreciate it. Your support means everything to me. Everybody have a Merry Christmas, a Happy Hanukkah, a Happy New Year, whatever other holidays you may be celebrating right now. Enjoy it. Be with family. Uh, don't kill yourself on your diet unless your name is Amanda or Dan or who else am I forgetting? I think there might be one more of my clients that's in prep right now. Tara, yes. Ha, 
Amanda, Tara, Dan, you're all in prep right now. So you enjoy in moderation. You chill out a little bit. Enjoy, but enjoy company more than food. Yes, because <laughs> you're all doing shows earlier in uh, in 2020, so you're in prep right now. Sucks to be you, um, but it's all good. You got this. Uh, peace out, everybody. Have a great time. Check in with you.